Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is August the 14th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Had a really good Monday. Just, just normal work. We plotted along. Vibes were, were, were nominal. Uh, let's see here. Food corner. I decided to do it up the other day. And I did chili and onion rings. But then I had, and this is where I get really, really fat. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I had eight, yeah, eight cinnamon rolls. And with these cinnamon rolls, I decided to, like, do some variations on them. So, like, on some of them, I did chocolate chips. I, like, kind of, like, put some chocolate chips in or on top of them, which I got to say aesthetically did not turn out well. I should have not done that. I should have, like, jammed them in, like, deformed the whole thing, just done it differently if that's what I was going to do, which I could have done, and I just wasn't smart, smart. Uh, then I did on one, I did peanut butter on one. So there was one cinnamon roll with peanut butter on it. I had one cinnamon roll with jelly on it. I had one with like strawberry and icing. I put icing on overall most of them. And then the remaining icing I kind of just used as like a dip. So I ate all this in concert. It was very good. It was very yummy. I've had chili and cinnamon rolls before. I've had chili and peanut butter and chili and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before. So like I've done all that before. It's not new. But it was just nice to kind of do this all. Plus the onion rings were also good. So like almost like the chili was just like an effective dip. It, it was it was good. It was yum, 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 yummy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is still me corner. Um, part of why my day was like good, funny, interesting is also why my night on Saturday was also kind of fun. My friends had decided to gift me with something fun, a little treat. And... Essentially, it was a little special kind of pills and, you know, of the herbal variety, let's just say that. And they just said, like, oh, these are really strong. We're actually giving these to you. This is actually a re-gift because the initial person just could not hang with them. They, they, they were, like, scared straight off of these things. And I was like, come on, Ugh, whatever, no way, no way, no how. And... I do think this is kind of like the fun thing that my friends like to do is just like, ah, I wonder if this will like if Isaiah can tank this. And so I'm always curious enough too. So of course I say yes. And so I see these things. I, I you know, I get them open and I said, oh, okay, I'm going to take two of these things. And I think they were each 50 milligrams, something like that. Now in my head, I have this plan. I have this fantasy of one day getting this thing, it's called what they call the Death Star, I believe. And essentially that thing is 500 milligrams. So in theory, one day, I would like to have that. I would like to try that and see what that does to me, if I can weather that. <laughs> and um, that would be like a fifth of that, according to, you know, the packaging. And, um, you know, I took it, we had a good time. It was fun, 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 fun. That being said... I would say I I did notice it. it I, I did I was not unfazed by it. I, I would describe it as like there was a moment of it felt like someone was like like doing like a headband thing, like pulling my wig back or something like that. Um, but definitely trying it like the you know the next you know the next day or whatever. 
Um, it's still fun, but it's definitely like, oh, like I almost felt like grumpy. <laughs> so it's an interesting element to my days. I do find um, experimenting with things like that are fun. I, I just, I like experimenting with things like that in general. I think it's a good time. But um, obviously do that kind of stuff responsibly. Know yourself. It's definitely not for everybody. Whatever you do, your thing, like you can definitely find a way to do too much. I, I kind of have a mantra of saying, oh, no, you don't. But no, you should, you should, you know, do things responsibly. If you have a doctor or a person who you can consult about those things, do that. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough about Shmi. Let's, uh, uh, let's get into some news. Well, you know, at least uh, segue into some news. Uh, you know, I gotta do my classic startup, you know, in the garden. Okay. All right, actually, I'm glad I got myself a little relaxed because uh, all almost all of these stories are going to make me very upset, and I'm going to try to curtail that, contain that. Um, from the Associated Press, six former Mississippi officers plead guilty to state charges for torturing two black men. Now, when this story initially hit the cycle, I am not going to lie to you. I kind of just didn't want to talk about it. Like, I did it. And, like, I was like, Isaiah, I know you need to talk about this. Like, especially when we get into the fucking details of all this fucking shit, you need to talk about it. And I kind of let it just get lost in the shuffle. But then when I saw them with their pleads this week, I was like, nope, it's time. You got to do it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so here we are <laughs> at the abyss. Uh, six white f- uh, six white former Mississippi law officers pleaded guilty on Monday to state charges for torturing two black men in a racist assault. All six had recently admitted their guilt in a connected federal civil rights case. Okay, in the gruesome crimes committed by the six men who had been tasked with enforcing the law, federal prosecutors saw echoes of violence some Mississippi police inflicted on civil rights activists decades ago. Locally, the sheriffs whose deputies committed the crimes called it the worst case of police brutality they'd ever seen, or he had ever seen. Uh, these guys, you know how I kind of talked, I've, I've talked about these kind of police groups, um, but in this situation, I don't think this was actually like a task force or anything. It was just kind of like a group of local cops in this area, you know, of Mississippi they were just going by the name of Goon Squad, essentially just because of their general demeanor and also just how they would use excessive force. Like they just, to a cartoonish level, I think to themselves, they like, you know, like we're just a bunch of goons. And truly they were. Like these were literal hooligans in fucking suits with badges and guns. Um, in January, the officers entered a house without a warrant and handcuffed and, assault, handcuffed and assaulted two, the two men with stun guns, a sex toy, and other objects. The officers mocked them with racial slurs throughout a 90-minute torture session, then devised a cover-up that included planting drugs and a gun, leading to false charges that stood against the victims for months. Uh, also, they, in the process of doing this fucking torture, 
they literally put a gun in a man's mouth and pull the fucking trigger. Like, which is literally the, the man lived through that moment and is still, like, dealing with the ramifications of that. Like, they can't eat the same food. They have fucking nightmares of being executed. Uh, the five men, uh, let's see, Brett McAlphin, Hunter Elward, Christian Dedman, Jeffrey Middleton, and Daniel Adepike, a former police officer from the city of Richard, uh, Joshua Hartford. They each appeared on Monday in jumpsuits with the names of jails covered by tape. I imagine they did that because, uh, you know, people knowing where these guys are going to be serving time is maybe like a threat to them. Oh, I bet that's so scary. Uh, let's see. They each are, they have like sentences ranging from five to 30 years, though the judge is not bound by that. Though I feel like judges are often sympathetic, like they sympathize with cops. They often give them like lighter sentences. They coddle them, these motherfuckers. I mean, that's just, excuse me, from what I've seen. Excuse me, moi. Uh, the victims, Michael Corey Jenkins and Eddie Terrell Parker arrived together uh, to Monday's hearing and sat in the front row, just feet from their families, uh, attacker families. They were embraced by Monica Lee, the mother of Damian Cameron, a black man who died in Elwood's custody in 2021. Now that's an unrelated thing. I don't think I'm going to really hit that too hard, but I do, if you, you know, feel it like you're, if you're interested in this, I would highly recommend this article just because it does kind of talk more about that, how this, you know, the uh, Hunter Elward is related to a whole other fucking situation where a person died and like maybe at best they're going to get some more investigations on this, but there's still no justice there and a whole fucking person died in that situation. <sighs> um, so yeah, I mean, this shit just, it, it's disturbing. It is fucking disturbing. Not to mention the whole reason here for these cops doing this, like do we like breaking in here, no warrant, torturing two black men like it's a literal fucking horror show movie is because some neighbor was like, hey, uh, these two black guys, they're not from around here. They're just like, they're just there. What's going on with that? You guys should check that out. Like just racism stacking on racism is how we fucking get here. Like it's insane to me. Not to mention these two men were here one of the men was a friend of the homeowner who apparently has been paralyzed since they were 15. They're family friends. And essentially, they were just taking care of the house while the friend was at the hospital. Like, yo, could you imagine? So, needless to say, these two men have not been back for long stays to, you know, ba you know to back here. That, that's completely fair. I completely get that shit. I would not want to go back to this area where people literally assaulted me, literally tried to execute me. Like, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. And I, and I wish this was just, like, I wish you could isolate this. That this was just some kind of fucking southern thing. Like, this was just some, like, oh, it's just the south. Like, no, no, it's not. This is system-wide. This is across the nation. It is worldwide, if you ask me. Like, ugh. So, this is how we're starting the episode. I'm sorry about it. Like I said, this is Tales from the Abyss. You feel me? Um, yeah, let's go ahead and roll out. Like, I got some more fucking cop shit to talk about. More bad cop behavior. Um, from the rap. Kansas newspaper co-owner, 98 years old, collapses and dies 
following police raid of her home, uh, of her home and papers offices. Uh, police also seized the Marion County Marion County Records file server and other equipment needed to publish the paper. So Joan, or I think it's Joan, or it might be Joanne, but I think it's Joan. Uh, Joan Meyer, 98 years old, uh, co-owner of the Marion County Record. They just go by the record, I believe. Uh, Record newspaper in Marion, Kansas, died Saturday following police raids on Friday of her home and newspaper's offices. The raids contributed to Meyer's death, according to the outlet. The newspaper and numerous observers have argued that these raids of the records, offices, and mayor's home were illegal. Warren shown by the police alleged there was probable cause to believe that identity theft and unlawful computer acts had been committed involving Marion business owner Carrie Newell. Now, Carrie Newell uh, owns the local restaurant Carrie's Kitchen. She alleged at a Monday city council meeting that the record illegally obtained drunken information about uh, Newell and supplied it to Marion Vice Mayor Ruth Herbel. Herbel's home was also raided by the police at the same time as Mayor and the paper. So essentially, because of this identity theft, they were able to raid the paper, raid this person's home, and um, yeah, also Herbel as well. Uh, essentially in these situations, especially for the record, I think you're supposed to have a subpoena. So essentially saying, Hey, you have information that you're not supposed like that, or you have information that we need, or you, like you, you were summoned to court to talk about a thing. Like you, like you need to be here. You need to show up. Um, but you can circumvent that by saying, Oh, we actually need a search warrant to come in your house and get this shit. Um, because you're doing something illegal. Like, so actually we can just say, oh, the freedom of press does not fucking matter here. Um, which feels like a very odd, weird, and run. Uh, especially because, um, apparently, like, she was trying to, uh, what is it? She was, I'm getting caught up in here. I'm getting in the weeds a little bit. Um, but Newell's essentially, um, driving with a, like, a, a suspended license. Uh, I believe for like drunk driving or something like that. And the cops knew about it. Now that information was withheld, um, I believe from the press, like um, the record didn't post that, but it was known information because it went to um, the record and it went to Herbal. It was sent like the source sent it to both those places. So now I think there's a divorce situation and that's how that information was leaked. It's like, oh, well now it's all like all out here. It's all on the table. And I don't know. I, I don't want to sit here and allege that like, oh, the police did this because like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a little bit highfalutin to say like, oh, they're trying to protect Carrie's kitchen. I, I, I doubt the, the <laughs> I doubt she buddied up that hard. But at the same time, I could believe that they maybe were sympathetic enough to be like, ooh, like, uh, wait, they did what? Like, they did what to you, Carrie? Like, hold up now. And maybe they did actually go through the motions here and shortcut the whole process. And because of that, you could say maybe someone died. Now, granted, I mean, yes, this is a 98-year-old person, but 
the stress of this whole fucking situation could easily be attributed like okay like yeah like they got so stressed out they had like some kind of attack and like now they're gone like that's really fucking sad it's really fucking upsetting um so yeah i mean i i am curious how this is going to pan out play out um yeah no we'll call this covered but yeah i'll keep you posted on anything else that comes up um let's see here now this is not cop related <laughs> so there we go we're, we're we're done with the police <laughs> fuck the police i'm off it okay um from espn i will say though this story also upsets me <laughs> very much so uh for other reasons blindside subject o'hare alleges twoies made millions off lie Retired NFL star Michael O'Hare, who subpoenaed, or I'm sorry, I'm on the other article, who supposed uh, adoption out of grinding poverty by a wealthy white family, was immortalized in the 2009 movie The Blind Side, petitioned a Tennessee court Monday with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. Now, I got to say, I've not seen The Blind Side. Uh, some a little more tidbit about me, a little fun, fun fact. I kind of decided ever since I saw the movie Crash, very amazing movie, awesome, dope movie, good, highly recommend, that I don't love the experience of seeing racially motivated, racially driven movies. They upset me in ways that I can't, always explain to people and so like i often will see a movie and like get out is the best example i've never seen get out and people like what you've never seen get out i had to go through that for like at least a year people being like shocked that i did not see get out and i'm like yeah because i can see from the trailer what the fuck the movie's about and it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me unsettled and i think the blind side was one of those movies where I really had this like notion in concrete because I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, that's really moving. That's really like interesting. Uh, but like, I, 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 this just feels like some white hero saver movie and I don't like it. It just doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't do a feel good for me. <laughs> so Sandra Bullock, I'm sure she acted her ass off. I'm sure all everyone involved, great, cool, but I just wasn't, in, I just didn't want to see it. But, interestingly enough, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, most of the people who are listening to this are millennials or Zoomers or whatever. So, like, you, you've been on the internet, you've done the scrolling, and you'll see an ad, right? And it's, like, usually like a clickbait junk ad. And um, it would be like, oh, Michael O'Hare says the big lie is actually, a, or the blind side's a big lie. And it's like, oh, what? Like, and I feel like if I had watched the movie, I'd be highly tempted to click that. But I was like, mm, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> if that's true, not surprised. But apparently, um, Michael O'Hare recently put up a memoir about this, but is also filing a um, lawsuit as well. So the 14-page petition filed by filed in Shelby County, Tennessee, a lot of Tennessee news this week, um, Tennessee Probate Court alleges that Sean and Leanne Tui, 
who took O'Hare into their home as a high school student never adopted him. Instead, less than three months after O'Hare turned 18 in 2004, the petition says the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservatives, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name, which is very fucking depraved. Uh, I've talked about this shit before when we talked about the Britney Spears conservatorship, Amanda Bynes conservatorship, how fucked up these things can fucking be. How totally, yes, if you are like an old person with fucking dementia and like your family's just trying to make sure that your shit is in order or whoever is your guardian, you know, taking care of you, yes, conservatorship makes sense. But like in these weird situations where people want to get autonomy over a person, usually to take advantage of them monetarily, like there's just no good coming out of it. And essentially in this situation, what's being alleged is that the Tuies said, hey, oh, we see this like rising star here. Like there's definitely something to be gained here, to be had, and we should help out. We should actually like be involved. And they took it to a whole other level when they said, oh, you should start actually referring to us as your family. And for Michael O'Hare, someone who's had a very rough upbringing who's the, the this like son of 12 kids one of 12 kids and in just a very less unstable home who winds up in foster care any kind of stability like that kind of shit you are reaching out for like i totally get that as like an adopted kid like that part like totally fucking like kids so you wind up in this home these people they're nice they're taking care of you it's a nice stable place for a second it's a port in the storm and they're telling you call you mom and dad it's like, that's amazing. And then you get to this point where they're like, oh, okay, well, we maybe can't adopt you, Michael, but we can do something that's just as good. We can, we can have you under a conservatorship. And with that, you're as good as family. Like, all you got to do is sign the papers with us and you're a part of our family. And for Michael, he goes, okay, say less. And that's what he winds up doing. And in doing so they have now the rights to essentially his future as he's now becoming this rising star. You know, he goes to college, he becomes a draft pick. Um, you know, he winds up actually, you know, becoming, you know, a football player, a professional. And his name, like, in this movie blows up and naturally they control the whole narrative of this movie. And not just the, the, you know, Sean and Leanne, the whole family gets a cut of the shit. I believe they each get about $250,000 and uh, they get like a percentage of like, uh, like some kind of royalties or whatever. But essentially Michael doesn't get any of that. At least that's what he's alleging. And um, yeah, this fucking shit makes me mad. Like, this, like that's insane. Like you essentially just do this literal white hero shit and you get to make yourselves the heroes in a movie, a literal movie, off of someone's real ass fucking life. Like, you guys didn't need to do this shit. These people were fine. <laughs> the Tuies were going to live well no matter what. And essentially, they just decided to ride on the coattails of Michael and control his life and get a literal cut of his money. And he doesn't even get any. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, yes, I hope he makes some money on this fucking memoir. And I hope he gets something else out of this fucking shit. Um, you know, this petition, petition, um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say about that for the time being, um, 
hopefully I will have uh, updates. And I would say yes, uh, if you'd like to get the whole story here, there's ESPN. And um, I mean, I'm not going to encourage you to watch The Blind Side. I sure am, shit am not going to. Though I will say, love Sandra Bullock and Speed is amazing. Also, Miss Congeniality, also bangers. So yeah, go watch Miss Congeniality. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, last but not least, we have actually a little bit of a palate cleanser. Though I will say it's rough. <laughs> it's a rough go. <laughs> Uh, but you know what I like to do at the end of, uh, you know, I'm going to take my little break and then uh, we'll close it out. All right. Our last story comes from The Guardian. Boy, 13 years old, survives after falling 100 feet from Grand Canyon North Rim. Wyatt Kaufman slipped on a cliff and fell after moving out of the way so other people could take a picture. A 13-year-old North Dakota boy has survived falling 100 feet from a ledge at the uh, Grand Canyon's North Rim during a family trip. Emergency crews needed two hours to rescue Wyatt Kaufman after he slipped on a cliff Tuesday and plunged nearly 100 feet, or 30 meters, to those internationally. Also, shout-outs to The Guardian for making that, you know, that correlation for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need it over here. <laughs> at, the, uh, at the Bright Angel Point Trail... Wyatt was airlifted to a Las Vegas hospital for treatment of nine broken vertebrae, a ruptured spleen, a collapsed lung, a concussion, a broken hand, and a dislocated finger. Um, And this is a quote from Wyatt. I was up on the ledge and was moving out of the way so other people could take a picture. I squatted down and was holding onto a rock. I only had one hand on it. It wasn't that good of a grip. It was kind of pushing me back. I lost my grip and started to fall. I feel so bad. That's such a 13-year-old fucking thing to do. Like, yeah, I'm just at the edge of this fucking cliff face. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, let me move out of the way. Like, And, look, I'm not going to be mad at the people who were taking the picture. But, like, clearly you should have said, oh, no, 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 kid, no, son. Like, could you just actually get out of the way? Like, we would love to take the picture, but we don't want to see you fucking die. Don't squat out. I don't know. I, I totally get it, though. No one's really thinking about this shit. Like I said, you're 13 years old. Like, whatever. You're hitting a nice squat. Like, actually, I don't know that because I couldn't hit a squat until I was, like, in my late 20s. That, that's another story, though. Uh, you're, you're hitting your squat. You're holding a rock. No, that's just, this is screaming unsafe. Like, I'm mortified at this, the image of this. But, um, yeah, he took a tumble. And, I mean, I hear 100 feet. I'm like, that's game over. That's over. That's Joe over for you. But he made it. And he's alive. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to see that. Um, let's see. I, I do want to read this from Brian Kaufman, the father, which I just, this, this is a little wholesome to me. We're just lucky we're bringing our kid home in a car 
uh, in the front seat instead of in a box. And and I don't know why it's wholesome to me, but like yes, that that that, that is true. Because you see you see the photo of him if you do look that up. Um, he looks really scraped up. He looks really bad. But you think about that, and it's like I'm just happy my son's alive. Um, you know, because he just got that story. He literally got the news that his son fell into the fucking Grand Canyon and shit. Um, so to, to hear that and then to know that your son's still alive, that's great. That's good news. So figure that's how we close it. And, uh, yeah, if you would like to contribute outside of just being an awesome listener, which is still super fucking great, still super awesome and dope. I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaiah News. If you'd like to support the effort, you become a newsie. I shout you out at the end of the month. That's fucking dope. You also get some, you know, a little bit of archive aside old episodes. Maybe even some future episodes if I decide to like paywall something a little secret, a little intimate. You know, sometimes the episodes get like that. I got to do that. But um, yeah, that's that's not common. It's a tip jar. But you know, it is what it is if you'd like to support. Uh, free ways to hit me up isaiahnews1 at gmail.com I'm on all the socials if you'd like to follow or you'd like to you know subscribe like to the YouTube that would be great too another great way to support um other than that all the five stars all the you know we love this comments thumbs up you know we'd love to see that (laughs) um but yeah hopefully I see you soon for some more good news I love you bye bye